Hi there. Today at World Cup Coffee and Tea at Northwest 18th and Gleason in Portland, we've got probably the best-known jazz musician in Oregon. Mel Brown is here for a coffee shop conversation. I'm Tom D'Antoni. Mel is here to talk about a special performance at the upcoming Portland Jazz Festival commemorating the 100th year of Dizzy Gillespie. And we'll find out all about it. And how is he doing now that Jimmy Max, his three-gig-a-week home, is closed and Jimmy is gone? What about the plans for a new club? And what's he doing in the meantime? He's got a great Dizzy Gillespie story. Every Dizzy Gillespie story is a great one. Many thanks to musician, luthier, and audio production whiz Mike Doolin for fixing the audio. Mel Brown is the dean of Oregon Jazz. Let's talk to him. How about it? Welcome to the Cuppy Home here at World Cup Coffee and Tea, Northwest 18th in Gleason. Thank you. Glad to have you here. This is a new spot for me. That's good. <laughs> well, over the years, I've done a lot of work out in the out in the, out in the room out there with the you know, bringing the laptop and doing a lot of writing and stuff. That's what that's what people do now. <laughs> um, so uh, I want to find out about this this performance that what you're doing at the at the Portland Jazz Festival. It's interesting. Um, uh, what is it, and and you know, what, 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 tell me all about it. Well, basically, it's a, it's a celebration of Dizzy's 100th birthday. Uh-huh. And Don Lukoff asked me to uh, put together a big band to play with uh, John Pettis. Huh. That's what we're doing. We put together to play for that. But also, he asked me about uh, Jimmy Max uh-huh. and the guys who actually started playing there years ago. Yeah. And so I'm going to have a reunion of the original group that we had. That's great. Well, let's, let's start with the Dizzy thing. Um, I, I, I saw someplace that he's bringing, he has a, original, original charts? Yeah, he sent me like a half a dozen wow. of things that, that featured Dizzy. Uh-huh. They aren't just, they say, original charts, but yeah. it's just something from his uh, his performances in the past. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. What are you going to do? Oh, there's, like I say, there's six tunes that he sent to me. Uh-huh. So we're going we're gonna to play those tunes for him. Yeah. But also, I, I wanted to have everything wrapped around the septet yeah. as well as the big band. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. We'll be a part of the big band. I hope so. Oh, yeah. Well, that, that, that's the core. Because we miss them already. <laughs> you know. Well, thank you. Um, so, uh, did you ever did you ever meet Dizzy? I did. I did a show with him. Uh, did you? Down in uh, Medford, Oregon, back <laughs> in the seventies. Wow. And it was uh, it was pretty interesting. Was <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had a trio at that time. It yeah. was called the Hobbit. Yeah. And it was George Mitchell playing piano and Phil Baker playing bass. And we opened for Dizzy. And it was uh, quite a night because Dizzy flew in and uh, they lost his luggage. Oh. So he's, you know, it was a one-nighter. So here he is down in Bedford, Oregon. And like, Whoa. What did you do? Because there's not that many black people down there in Bedford, Oregon. Yeah, if any. <laughs> so we had to go and do the show. And uh, huh. after the show, he just said, uh, young man, do you smoke? What? <laughs> he said, do you smoke? I said, well, yeah, I have some Salem's over here. Would be he said, oh, let's go back in the dressing room. Uh-oh. Well, I'm 
<laughs> dressing room. You know, we're inside of a building over here. And all of a sudden, he pulls out a corn cob pipe, fills it up with some, some weed. It's like, whoa, what's happening here? And he lights it up, and he starts telling me stories about being on the Muppet Show. Focus on his behind, and he's doing rhythms, right? shaking his hips. He lights up the corn cob pipe, and all of a sudden, there's a knock on the door. He says, oh, here, hold this. And he walks in the door, and somebody wanted an autograph. He says, oh, yeah, come right on in. I'm thinking, oh, what are you doing? In Medford, no less. Yeah, yeah. I just went to the bathroom portion to sign autograph. You can't do that around here. That's funny. I spent a day with him doing a story, a TV story, mm. years and years ago, well, back east, and uh, they had uh, there was a, a harness track, harness racetrack, mm. uh, and it, it was outside of DC. He was playing DC, and uh, they named a race after him. And he got to ride in the car that has the they have the, the wings and lead they lead the lead the, the harness racers, and he got he, he got to ride in the car, and he, I never saw anybody have so much fun. He was just singing. He was he was up on the, up on the back of the car and waving his arms and stuff. It was great. <laughs> he might have had some refreshment before that. Uh, now, now that you mention it. <laughs> enjoyed my conversation with him just you know well actually we stayed up all night wow because he had to catch a plane like at six or seven in the morning so after the concert you know we were just doing a lot of a lot of talking because his uh, his drummer at that time was a guy that i met back in the, well in new york when i was living in new york yeah. tommy campbell uh-huh. and uh so we got a chance to just talk about different things. But Dizzy was saying, you know, it's been a while since I've heard a young man play with the kind of feel that you have. How did you develop that? And then I told him that, you know, I had idols coming up. Yeah. That uh, Philly Joe Jones and Papa Joe Jones were my teachers. Uh-huh. So he said, okay, never. He said, now I know. <laughs> so he just complimented me on having that kind of feel that those guys have. Yeah. Say no more, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's all you got to say. At period of time, everybody was trying to play like Tony Williams. Right. Or Jack D. Jeanette. Yeah. And yeah. It's, uh, yeah. those guys were just mind blowers. Yeah. But yeah. I started thinking, you know, because of the concept that they have uh-huh. about playing time and being pretty loose with everything, uh-huh. how do you play behind somebody like Nancy Wilson? Yeah. You can't use that kind of thing. You have no. to be out of the way. You got to be supportive yeah. of the singer rather than saying, yeah. 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 well, we're taking the drums out of the back room <laughs> bringing it forward. You've never done that. Not really. I mean, we don't always know you're there, uh-huh. you know, but but uh, you've never been bombastic with the drums, you know? I've, I was never really trained to be that way. Yeah. You know, I... Yeah. I did a lot of drum solos when I was young. Uh-huh. That's because I played behind strippers. <laughs> and here in town, that was the thing. All of the lounge bands, you know, you had to click some dance tunes up front. Then it was floor show time. Boom, 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 boom. And then you get out and you play behind the strippers yeah. and then have yeah, yeah. through the tune. Uh, everybody would just 
get out there and just be the drums playing by yeah. the dancers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to play with mallets a lot. Oh, yeah. Because it yeah. would turn off the lights and uh -huh. iridescent type of thing going on. Uh -huh. Women would have pasties on their breasts and they try to get them going <laughs> like propellers. And most of them weren't that coordinated, so they could get on propeller going at a time. So it was a floor show. <laughs> But you had to play a long time because a lot of the dancers weren't really that rhythmically coordinated and they weren't thinking that way. Yeah, yeah. But I had to keep my eye on them because every yeah. time they took something off and they hit the floor, you <laughs> crash on the floor. <laughs> Sometimes it's like right in the, in the cracks. <laughs> so I just learned to just try to be very supportive of whoever I'm playing with. Yeah, yeah. So in, in Medford, did, was it just Dizzy and your band? Yeah. Wow. 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 Were you, were you, were you at all starstruck? Not really, because, you know, Cause you, in New York. And yeah. He was, yeah. Okay. My teacher, I studied with Papa Joe Jones when yeah, I was in New York. Yeah, I understand. I, I can understand being starstruck about, about him. <laughs> uh, but uh, There was a place in New York called Jim and Andy's uh -huh. on uh, 8th Avenue and 55th Street. Mm -hmm. And all those TV shows that they had in New York. Merv Griffin, uh -huh. Night Show, David Frost, all these guys at 5.30 in the evening, they would, you know, go for the lunch break, <laughs> dinner break. Yeah. And they'd all come around to Jim and Andy's. And uh, that's where the guys made the contacts because we didn't have, you know, texting or anything like that. Yeah. yeah. And the guys would have like a little ringed uh, uh, pad. Uh -huh. And you might get Thad Jones who might say, hey, Jerome Richardson, listen, uh, next Tuesday at 3, are you free? We got a session over in uh, TNAC. <laughs> and the guys are right now on their next dates. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there was a contact center. <laughs> These guys used to do this stuff. And me being from Oregon, I didn't want to say anything that sound dumb. So I just kept my mouth shut and just listened to them talk. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty interesting to hear the things that come out because everybody's yeah. telling their different stories. Uh-huh. It's a great way to learn, huh? Oh, it was. You know, there was like four or five of us that hung out together all the time uh -huh. Uh -huh. with Papa Joe. And we were all studying with Papa Joe. Yeah. And it was me, Billy Cobham, Lenny White, Charlie Persip, Elvin, and Max. Well, that's quite a lineup. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was sat in the corner and kept my mouth shut. <laughs> Jeez. Um. So, uh, uh, what, what's one of the tunes that you're going to do at, at, at this thing for the jazz festival? Oh, we're going to do Manteca. Yeah. You know. And Got to. Got to. And you. Uh-huh. 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 You know. How, 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 how big is the big band? How many, how many pieces? It'll be 18 pieces. Wow. Now, this is, this is a new big band, right? Yeah, well, this is the big band basically being put together for. Yeah thing for uh, yeah you know for John it's not something that I'm gonna be able to move around play around town or oh, I had no intentions of doing it well somebody might ask you well that would, that would, that would be no problem yeah because you know for many years I played with the big bands here in town sure back yeah but they were the dance things and that's how I grew up playing in the big bands but they were for dances yeah you know, concert yeah 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 I've always loved Sonny Payne and Count Basie, uh -huh. and that's kind of the way I do play with a big band. Is that right? I don't throw the sticks in the air. 
<laughs> you know, where there's going to be a, some punches going on. Uh-huh. Dig into it. So the, the male brown that they hear that plays with the brush is really soft. Uh -huh. This is going to be another side. Oh. Well, that's something to look forward to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, hitting really hard. Yeah, yeah, wow. Have you had rehearsals yet? Oh, uh, we've got one coming up. We haven't had the rehearsal yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guys, everybody's got their parts and stuff. So uh -huh. Uh -huh. Try to get together at Portland State another week or so uh -huh. in rehearsal. Is the septet part of that big band? Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what I wanted to do is with the um, the old Jimmy Max septet. Yeah. I wanted to do about 40 minutes, maybe 45, so we, uh -huh. people can understand and see who the people were who got started with me. Yeah. So it would be like Warren Rand and Andre uh -huh. St. James uh -huh. come back. Uh -huh. And I'm going to have try to have Sarah there, but I didn't want him to play because it's, you know, his health isn't that good. Yeah. Uh -huh. And so I'm thinking of having Derek just play the trumpet parts in. Uh -huh. So, uh -huh. but I wanted people to know about Sarah. Well, just having him there is, is yeah. you know. Because I know he'll, he'll have, he may talk a little bit. Oh, you think? <laughs> but I want, I want people to really know how it's got. Yeah. I like with the thing with the big band, it'll, you know, Six tunes, that's not a lot of time, but no. by the time everybody solos, yeah. that's going to take into account a certain amount of time. Uh -huh. And we're uh -huh. not going to have the show come that long because, I mean, people can sit a long period of time for yeah. yeah. And then uh, hopefully I'd like to get the, the present-day septet, you know, with Tim Gilson playing the bass uh -huh. and John Nastos playing alto. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. But, uh, uh -huh. We'll see what we were doing just up to the... The, the doors were closed. It's a little different because <laughs> it's, uh, you know, we're just playing some different type of tunes. Yeah. They're still in that Art Blakey vein. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, Straight through and a stop. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. I kind of got, I like that idea because of my years with The Temptations. Uh -huh. Once we started the show, we never stopped until yeah. Yeah. it's at the end. Yeah. So in one sense, yeah. it cuts down on the attention span of the people in the audience uh -huh. because you don't know if you're going to miss something if you go to the bathroom. <laughs> That's true. But the, one of the problems that I've, I've tried to avoid was uh, you finish a tune and then someone starts announcing another tune. Uh -huh. And when they do, that's when people start chattering a lot. Right. You've got some people listening and other yeah. people saying, I want to hear where you guys just hold it down over here. Yeah, yeah. Just eliminate yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I remember I did a I did an Oregon Music News piece when we first started on on the Septet, and I was I talked to a lot of the guys at that time. That was two thousand nine, and uh, about how you guys know what to play next. Mm -hmm. Now I know that Thera had something that had a lot to do with that, but he's of course his role is, is greatly diminished. So. Who calls the tunes now? Uh, it's a mixture between John Nastos and Derek. Really? You know, what I try to do is maybe have one guy call them for a certain period of time, mm -hmm. and then the other guys call them for a certain period of time. That way we don't get too much of an ego thing going. Yes. I'm just going to call them just the tunes I want to play. Yeah. You know, so it makes it more fun. Everybody's contributing, so that, that energy's there, because we never know what's going to happen. Yeah. We don't know which tunes we're going to play from one tune to the next. It's like John will call something and I'll say, cool, we'll do that or else, no, call another one. <laughs> I like oh, so you, you, have a, you can reject it? Oh, I'm mainly calling all the tunes. Okay. They make suggestions. All right. Just let them know. <laughs> okay. 
you know, because you know, it's, I try to make it as interesting as possible. Uh -huh. Because if you play one tune that's really, really fast, why play another tune uh -huh. as equally as fast? Right. You know, right. do a samba, do a ballad, do uh -huh. something in three, you know. Yeah. Keep it kind of changed up. And kind of, it's like you're yeah. taking them on a trip. Right. Right. Yeah, we we uh, we we know you're a soft-spoken guy, but we know who's the boss. <laughs> they, those guys made that perfectly clear when I did that piece. Well, while you know, back then, who was the boss? Um, uh, so uh, th that should be really fun seeing these these guys back again because um, I know that people who knew Jimmy knew how how bad off he was. I know that that was happening. I, I didn't. I wasn't a part of that circle, but it was. It was obvious that you know the people who knew and loved him knew what was going on. The rest of us, it was such a shock to hear that he was. First of all, he was closing, and that was that was kind of a signal that things were not going, not not going to go well. And of course, I, I, you know, he probably knew how bad things were, and you probably knew how bad things were. Well, he, uh, Jimmy was. He was kind of quiet, though. He kind of kept. Solid. Yeah. He didn't really tell a lot of people. Yeah. All the way up to the very end. Wow. It was like, well, okay, well, guys, we planned on doing something at the end of January, the first part of February, and uh, we'll just hang on and we'll find, wait and see. Wait up till uh, uh, uh. middle of December. We had a, yeah. a meeting that Jimmy kind of explained to us really what was going on. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, if the doctors just said, okay, well, cool, let's don't worry about being involved in the business over here just kind of take it easy and get well yeah it would have been cool but uh when the doctor just finally said what well, you know we just can't find a cure that's when he knew it okay yeah well i'm probably not gonna make it but at least i want to let everybody know yeah of course you're you this uh, you know losing a major club like this is nothing new to you you know, you, we lost Williams Avenue. We lost the hot, we lost all those clubs, the Atwaters. When I first moved to town, man, I thought Atwaters was almost literally going to heaven. Go up in that elevator, thirty floors, and and walk in and see you and and Leroy and Dan Fanley and Andre Andre St. James, and, and it was it was a great place, you know. And you were playing there a lot, right? You had a couple nights a week. Yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah. Wednesday, so, well, actually, Wednesday's Friday and Saturday. Yeah, yeah. It was Friday and Saturday with Leroy. Yeah. And then Wednesday's with uh, Dan Family. Yeah, yeah. There was not a better place you could take a woman, <laughs> believe me. With the view. <laughs> with the view and the, mu and, and the music, the combination, right, you know. <laughs> you didn't have to say anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We tried to present a little atmosphere. Well, it worked. <laughs> it really worked. Um so, uh, how do you, you know, you've been through this, so, so you know, before, how do you deal with this, in, you know, in, in, in your own mind? Uh, it's a little, a little, I don't know, a little on the crazy side. I try not to think about it. It's like yeah. something, one door closes and another one will open up. Yeah, yeah. And that's where I just kind of look at things. Yeah. But yeah, what but has to happen with venues like that, they may close... But whatever the new venue is going to be, it should have some kind of a theme to it. Yeah. Yeah. 
and then having pretty much the same band playing there all the time, it makes yeah. it a lot easier for people in Portland. Yeah. Because if you have a cousin or a sister or a brother, they come uh -huh. to town, uh -huh. you know exactly where to take them to. Right. And in the past, what's happened with the clubs that have closed is that they have great entertainment, but every night of the week it's a different band. Right. So how do your fans follow you if they saw you this week, yeah. but they can't see you again for another three weeks yeah. at that club? What right. do you do in the meantime? Right. It's like, well, I don't really have the car to run around town. Maybe I have to take a taxi or yeah. catch the trolley or something. Yeah. Makes it their travel time kind of Well, I know. We, we, we all hear rumors about what J.D. is trying to do about starting a new club. and mm -hmm. You know, it's all, it's all good news. Uh, and uh, if it happens... Um, I don't know. Pretty sure he'll do it right. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He'll do it in the same same. Phase. And you'll be back, we hope? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm part of that, well, hopefully, Are that you? whole package. That's great. That's great. You know, we want yeah. some things in honor of Jimmy. Because, you know, yeah. he's a musician first. Yeah. A lot of club owners were not musicians when they took over. Right. They right. played saxophone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was there. Uh, they were they were taking down the light fixtures to to pack them away and use them in a new club. Well, I haven't seen that. I haven't even been down there. Well, you know what? They, they had, <laughs> there was a picture of me on a wall in the back room. It was right. the worst picture of me ever taken in the history of taking pictures of me. Wow. Believe me, it was terrible. I had this stupid expression on my face. But the Brandy Kazaki and Rowe who lived here for a brief period of time, took, took all those black and white pictures that were in the, in the back room there. Oh. And it's, it stayed up on the wall there for all those years. I'm like, so JD, JD says, we're going to, you know, we, we'd like to do something about these. I said, I'll come down. I'll come down and get my pictures so nobody can ever see it again. Did you get it? <laughs> I got it. Oh. <laughs> uh, it's bad. It's bad when, you, when there's a bad picture, you, you know. Well, you <laughs> You're just very critical of yourself. But it's, it's bad to somebody. Okay. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> um, uh, so, uh, getting back to the septet for a minute, uh, you still got the big book. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It took a long time to put that together. <laughs> yeah. Do still things get at things still get added to it? Oh yeah. 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 And that's under your direction. Uh yeah, well I try to do it collaboratively. Yeah. And let guys do things. Because basically everybody in the band writes really well. Yeah. We do a whole bunch of Gordon Lee's tunes. Uh huh. Or we could do some of Stan's arrangements, yeah. John's arrangements, yeah. Derek's arrangement. Yeah. And so there's yeah, always yeah, it's yeah. something that you yeah. do. Yeah. So never, it never gets boring. We have so many tunes in the book. I know. It's, it's just hard to really just get to all of them all the time. <laughs> and you have to really stop and think about it. Uh -huh. For me, being the drummer, <laughs> you know, a book being that thick, it's hard to play because I need both my hands. But I can't sit there turning pages all the time. <laughs> right. right. That's one of the problems that you have playing with a big band. You know, you may have three or four pages, so you got to be able to be ahead of the, the game and turning pages. Yeah. You're not getting a chance to get totally involved in the, the band. You try and you use your ears a lot, but uh, you're looking at figures all the time rather than knowing what's coming up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. Yeah. So it's it's 
It's going to be kind of interesting when we play, <laughs> play these charts because these are things that these are John Fantasy's charts. You know, I've never played this stuff before. I didn't even see yeah. arrangement on it. Yeah. And I keep thinking about all those years when I was a drummer on the March of Dimes and the Easter Seals Telethon. Uh -huh. People didn't know, but I was back behind the scrim. So it's like, okay, at this point right now, we've raised, and drummer, give me a roll. X amount of money, and play the band team, you know. Yeah. But yeah. at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, you're playing. comes <laughs> in with a telephone book, size book, like Ain't Misbehaving. <laughs> and you got to go from bar 27 to bar 143. And the book is just dropped in it because there's a pencil marking. You find yourself with one hand turning the page. Oh, trying to find that bar. How do you do that? It's, it's hard. Yeah. Very hard. And then when you turn the page, there may be seven or eight bars, and some of the bars have figures in it, and you got to immediately flash on that and change the values of the notes because it's a show. And if you're turning the pages, you may turn, and just as you turn the page, it's what we call railroad tracks, which means a break in the music. <laughs> and you don't want to keep playing. And these people are out in the front dancing and singing. And the band misses the break. Oh, jeez. Oh, man. It's like, okay, from bar 163, go back to bar 5. So you're doing, and they're going crazy. And for two or three years, I was doing it. And we had the, the rhythm section was Max Bennett playing bass. Uh -huh. And Alan Broadbent playing piano. Wow. And a guy named Joe de Blasio playing guitar. Uh -huh. But uh, the core of the band was the Tonight Show band. Uh -huh. And then a complete string section. Wow. And you went to work on a Saturday at 8 o'clock, and you played straight through until 4 o'clock Sunday afternoon. Wow. They let the horn players go home early in the morning. So but not you. Rhythm section. No, yes. Oh, jeez. And it was hard. Just hot. You're wearing a white tuxedo, and the lights are on you. <laughs> and all night long, you got a break for maybe seven eight minutes to run to the bathroom or something and get back on the bandstand and then you're off and running again Jeez. <laughs> and after you know the first year or so i just thought i, I don't think i'm going to do this anymore yeah you know it's, it's yeah. a little too hard yeah. but you know you get your paycheck i was like well maybe the experience of getting a chance to play with other guys yeah especially the guys in the tonight show band right that right. was fun now, which Tonight Show band was that? Was that Doc or was that? It was Doc. Yeah. Now, you didn't know him from Oregon, did you? Uh, I did because he um, he was one of the judges that helped my quintet win the Hennessy Jazz Search. Really? Oh, yeah. I have a huge picture at home <laughs> with him on the stage laughing and talking with Sarah and Warren and Michael York. Uh-huh. And... Uh, when he made the announcement as to who, who won, he said, and these are guys from my hometown, from, I'm at home state, yeah. from Oregon. Huh. So Doc was, uh, yeah, he was, he was a pretty cool dude. That's good. Because he, he used to come from. Well, it's good to know, you know. The, you know, going toward the gorge out in that area and coming to town to play with the guys like the Walter Bridges and the Bobby Bradford and uh -huh. Cleve Williams, uh -huh. like that. Uh -huh. They all knew him uh -huh. from. Yeah. You know, back yeah, in the day, yeah, he got yeah. to hear. Yeah. Ended up in L.A. I was really, you know, I'm not from here, but, you know, I, and I hadn't been here too long, but I was so, it made me, it, 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 I was so happy to be able to put those guys on television, Cleve and Bobby oh, yeah. and you, uh, of course, uh, and uh, when, I, when I did that TV piece, and James Benton, who we just lost. Yeah. Uh, what a shame. What a shame. 
yeah. Uh, and you, you, you actually went to James's. What was it? What was it? It was a. It wasn't a theater. It was a, a thing in his backyard, right? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> what, what would you call it? Clubhouse. <laughs> <laughs> what had happened back during the day? We had a movie theater that was on MLK uh-huh. Russell. It was called the Egyptian Theater. Uh-huh. And they tore the thing down. And while they were tearing it down, James went and got several rolls of those seats. <laughs> and he set them up in his garage and made like his own club. Uh-huh. And uh, up by Jefferson High School where we lived, you got back alleys over there. And so you had access to his, his garage and he insulated and did all the stuff. And uh, that's where guys would go to play. Yeah. They got off their regular gigs. Because our regular gigs were downtown playing behind the strippers. Right. <laughs> so you had to play pretty much the dance music and the other stuff, but you wanted to really kind of stretch out and play. Mm-hmm. And you wanted to play with other musicians that you hear about, but never get a chance to really see them play. Guys came through, would, would hear about this place? Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because what had happened is that you get the big bands, Duke Ellington, Count Basie, they may play down at the Multnomah Hotel, uh-huh. but they weren't allowed to stay downtown, so they had to come over to the black side. Oh, jeez. People would rent out rooms and stuff like that. Yeah, to yeah. Stay. yeah. But the guys would want to play, and so they'd all end up over at, uh, at James' place or <laughs> some other after-hour place. And, they, and, and there was always cooking there, wasn't there? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And see, I mean, James, he had this big barbecue thing in the back. <laughs> so during the day, he would barbecue but some of the guys would make a run and go out to Henry's winery and get uh-huh. a Loganberry wine and come back <laughs> just funny a couple of holes dug up in the ground the guys would put during the day but at night <laughs> you get to you get some of the food and then you get to the wine and you go back into the jam session it was what we call a cutting session yeah yeah so we had big eagles they'd run into somebody that's new in town they never heard and that person may take him play a little bit better and try to take the ego and squash it. <laughs> that doesn't happen so much anymore, does it? Or does it? <laughs> I think it's, I think it happens, but it's usually at, uh, you know, the jam sessions. Yeah. It makes it, yeah. it makes it a little hard for, I don't know, just everybody involved. Because back then with the bands, you played with people all the time. Nowadays, yeah. guys practice by themselves individually at home. Yeah. yeah. They come to the jam session. Uh-huh. They want to try out everything they practice. So that makes the tunes kind of long. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it wears yeah. on the bass players and the drummers and the piano players. Mm-hmm. Because after everybody takes a solo, then they want to take fours, they want to take eight. Yeah. And you're thinking, boy, we've been playing this tune for 25 minutes. <laughs> Where's everybody out? Yeah. Yeah. Whereas back then with the bands, they know that uh, playing jazz at that time, you played a couple of courses and then you shut up and got out of the way. Uh-huh. You said what you had to play. Yeah. And nowadays yeah. it's uh-huh. guys just keep working until they can work something out. The people were serious about the cutting stuff, weren't they? Oh, yeah, very much. Yeah. yeah. Very much yeah. so. You know, but you learned a lot of tunes, especially a lot of standard tunes. Yeah. And the jazz tunes were written from a lot of those old standard tunes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Broadway plays or whatever. You take it, you 
morph it a little bit, and then you uh -huh. you got a jazz tune that's happening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, at the, um, I was glad that um, I I when 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 Cleve Williams died, <laughs> and I loved when he sang because he sounded just like Billy Billy Eckstein, sounded exactly like Billy Eckstein. Uh, but um, I, uh, uh, when he passed away, I, I searched everywhere trying to find some recorded, something recorded by him, and I found it, and I played it on my KMHD show that, that day. So, you know, they would, you know, somebody would, uh, would, would, would realize, you know, who he was and some of the stuff he did, and, you know, so and he, he was one of your teachers, right? Uh, not necessarily. Oh, okay. You know, he was kind of like a person who showed me what was happening with the ropes in the business. Okay. Because he was a drummer. Well, that's a teacher. But, uh, <laughs> you know, from watching him play, it was like, well, actually, I have more technique and more chops. Yeah. But he had more showman. I didn't realize he was a drummer because all I ever saw him play was the trombone. No, no, not, not, uh, not Cleve Williams. I'm talking about James Benton. Oh, James Benton. Okay, fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Yeah, Cleve and Bobby, they were teachers. Yeah. yeah. Because after school, you know, I'm in high school, uh, he would say, well, come on over here, little kid. And before we had the rehearsal with Walter Bridges, yeah. I want you to listen to the way that Sam Woodyard is playing with Duke Ellington. Uh-huh. Yeah. Sets the figures up uh -huh. for the horns. Mm -hmm. And this is how Sonny Payne or Gus Johnson played with Count Basie. And so they kind of prepared me for the weekend thing. So we had a uh, Sunday gig out of a place called the Turquoise Room. Uh -huh. It's called Slick Willie's now. I guess it's still there. It's out on Capitol Highway. Uh -huh. But we played from 3 until 8 out there with the big band. Oh. Oh. And I'm the little kid that's 15 years 15? old. 15? Yes. And everybody was like, well, what is this little kid? No. <laughs> but they didn't realize I had four older sisters, so we always had some records and stuff around. Uh -huh. I was listening to uh -huh. a lot of uh -huh. uh -huh. When did you get your first drum kit? Oh, gosh. My first drum kit, I think I was maybe 14 or yeah. 15 yeah. at the max. Because, you know, I used to be a newspaper boy. I used to throw the Oregon Journal. Did you? And I would save my money up so I could go out and just, you know, try to get a drum set. Yeah. You know, so I finally got a chance to get a set of Ludwig drums. It was kind of like Joe Morello's with a silver sparkle. Yeah. And it was my first real, real good drum. Uh -huh. Prior to that, it was just some ten-penny barrels that I <laughs> beat on <laughs> you know, in the basement or in the garage. Yeah. Yeah. Just bad. What, what's your favorite set now? <laughs> There's so many drums that are just being made well. I'm playing a, a set now. It's called Allegra, uh -huh. and they're made here in Portland. Really? Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, and I have the very first set they ever made. Jeez. So they're trying to get me to turn it back in so they can organize it. <laughs> I just happen to like the drum set, so wow. that's what I play on. Jeez. There are people who, who make instruments here that a lot of people don't know about. A lot of people don't know about David Monette. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, the people are doing things. They're just... They're just kind of quiet. They're busy. Yeah. So they don't have time to run around and say, look at me. Look at what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know. So uh, where, where is Allegro? Where, 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 do they have a store, a factory? or? Yeah, we had a place over on 52nd in Woodstock. Uh -huh. But then uh, the owner of the company, he sold it to some people, and now they're in Vancouver, Washington. Uh -huh. But the guys, uh -huh. besides having drums, they also make uh, guitars. Really? Make some wow. stuff. But 
Huh. It's underneath like an umbrella. Yeah, yeah. I haven't really dealt with them. You know, they came to Jimmy Max to talk to me about, well, can we get you to do some clinics? Can we maybe have you do something? And it's like, uh -huh. gosh, man, it would be nice. But I've been such a workaholic all my life. I just can't say <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Man, I'm in my 70s. I, got, I need to slow down. Yeah, you're one of the few people that's older than me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got me by two years. Oh, really? Yeah. 73 in July. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, uh, you know, I've, I've done so much that I just don't really think about it until someone asks. You still got your accounting business? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm working in two different accounting. <laughs> two? Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, and the three bands, four bands. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Actually, it was five. Five. Jeez. Jeez. So it makes it, uh, it kind of interesting because it's just... It's I like what I'm doing, but I can't take anything else on. That makes sense. <laughs> I need some time to sleep. Yeah, 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 yeah. So now the Jimmy's has closed. Now I'm just down to one, and that's a trio at Salty's. Because uh, Portland Prime stopped having music. Right. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's kind of interesting to be able to actually go home and sleep in the bed at you know, go home, take a nice bubble bath, and then get a good night's sleep. Don't get used to it. We need you out there. I just needed to just take a deep breath. Yeah. I'm thinking about Jimmy and all the stuff that he went through. Yeah. You know, the club was happening, and things were going on. Uh, Jimmy would let you know that, hey, it looks nice, but it's still it's a hard job to yeah. keep the doors open. Yeah. And that's what a lot of people don't realize is that Jimmy would bend over backwards to make sure that I had a place to have my bands play. Yeah. You know, and I'm very indebted to him for that because, you know, you'd see it one night it would be like super, super busy and the next night there'd be hardly anybody in. Yeah. So you're saying, well, yeah. you know, fixed expenses are never going to stop. Yeah. So how much yeah. did you make at the end of the week? Did it cover everything all week long or you know you have uh -huh. some clothes and uh -huh. you have your ways of doing things so like what can I do to generate money yeah and that's where it's kind of difficult for a lot of musicians that are out here to really know what it takes to keep the doors open and they're thinking well the yeah. owner is making a lot of money yes yeah. you don't really you don't really see it you know, for me, being on the business side of things, and I got the paperwork in front of me, yeah. I know what's going on. Yeah. You can have a club that's like wall-to-wall -wall people. It's like, are they all spending money? Because no. half of the crowd that's in there are other musicians right. who want to come sit in and play and hopefully be able to get a gig. Yeah. And because they come in with the instrument in their hand, they say, I'm not paying a cover charge, not knowing that the money at the door that's being raised is also helping to pay for the band that's on the bandstand. Yeah. Uh. Makes it really kind of makes it really kind of difficult. But uh, just understanding both sides of things, it helped me to appreciate how hard yeah. know, Jimmy really was. Yeah, yeah. Keep the doors open. Well, the public may not have known that, but they sure appreciated having that club. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. But that's you know Portland is one of those places that people like what we have here 
but they get a little complacent. They may not come out until like the Portland Jazz Fest. Yeah. And it's like, well, it's nice that you're out here supporting this, but where have you been the rest of the year? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's, that makes it kind of sad because, you know, they don't charge a lot of money for cover charges for people to come in the door. Right. And uh, I always just say, all you have to do is just go to New York and find out how much you have to pay just to go in the door. Then they got the two-drink minimum, and those are pretty spendy. And people are saying, oh, to hear some music, and it's great. That's fine. But we have the same caliber of music right here in your own backyard, and you don't have to spend that kind of money. Right. Yeah. So appreciate what you have. But that's always the case with everybody. You know, in your own hometown, people don't really... Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I see you riding your bicycle. I see you down at Fred Meyer's or Safeways. Yeah. But the minute you make a hit record and you go away, when you come back home, oh well, I knew you when. <laughs> and it's always I'm just gonna kind of pull you back down <laughs> to my level. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what it's. It's nice to have friends, but a lot of times they really don't like to see you. It's like climbing a ladder. You take another. Yeah step up on the ladder and then I'm going to come back down here. And that's the ego thing. That yeah. 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 Well, we're really looking forward to this, uh, this, this performance. Uh, at, uh, it's going to be interesting. Because yeah. Yeah. It's just nice for me to play with the big band again. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, to see the overall thing of how the show is going to work its way out. Because with, as I mentioned, those six tunes that we're going to do with Sean, they'll take up X amount of time. Yeah. But I'd like for the present day septet to play at some point either after the big band mm -hmm. or preferably like after the big band. And then to have John come and play some with us. Nice. You know, which would be good for him because yeah. this tone he's playing. Yeah. But for him to take a look and see what we're doing. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Okay, I remember that tune, let me jump in. Because, uh -huh. hey, here's uh -huh. the book in uh -huh. front of you. Yeah. Go for it. Great. That's great. Well, listen, uh, Mel, thanks for stopping in. Oh, well, thank Best you. of luck to you. Hope we see you three nights a week, four nights a week, five nights a week again. I know, you, I know you're having fun taking it a little bit easy, but, uh, you know, <laughs> we, we miss you out there. We miss that band. We miss the great music. Thank thanks for coming in. I appreciate that.